like to see things uh, visually. Uh, we're talking about the temptation of Jesus tonight. Even though Satan kind of looked like a Sith Lord in that rendering, um, still you get the picture, right? Better, better than just reading it, you get the picture. It was either like that or it was like a fun kids cartoony version, which I, I was really torn between the two, but I picked that one. Um, so I wanted you to see what we're talking about tonight, okay? So we're going to continue through the thread of the gospel, the thread being Jesus throughout all of Scripture, uh, the gospel of him coming to save us throughout all of Scripture. We started in Genesis a long time ago, uh, and now we're in the New Testament. Last time, I think it was Brandon who was the one that preached last, uh, he talked about Jesus getting baptized. And so immediately after Jesus gets baptized, uh, shortly after that, he the temptation of Jesus happens. And so uh, I don't think that's a coincidence in that timeline. So literally, if you remember, if you've read that story before, if you look in, we'll be in Luke chapter 4, if you're going to follow along. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 10 uh, is really where we're going to be. Uh, but in chapter 3 is the end uh, of chapter 3 is when Jesus gets baptized. And I'll, I'll read Chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, uh, and was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, and listen to what the voice of God said to Jesus. Again, this is God speaking to Jesus. He, he says, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. So God speaks this truth over Jesus, that he is his son, he confirms that, says that in front of people that Jesus is his son, the son of God, and he is well pleased with him. And immediately after that truth, after we hear about that truth and Jesus hearing that truth from God, then we move into this next scene. Uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. Uh, I'll stop there for a second. A couple things I want to point out. So the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the one who led Jesus to the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus was following God, and he followed God into this time of being tempted. That's where God was leading him. That's where the Holy Spirit was leading him. And he was led into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. So you can read different versions. I think when you look it up, you, you see that it's not just these three things that, that the devil tempts Jesus with in this 40 days. It's, it's saying that the devil is with him for, for 40 days the entire time, tempting him the entire time. And we get this little snapshot of that at the end of those 40 days. So it says he was there for 40 days. He ate nothing during those days. And so after 40 days of fasting and eating nothing, like we see at the opening scene of that video, he's laying in the desert, right, or in the wilderness. And then Satan comes to him. Probably didn't look like a Sith Lord, but I don't know. Maybe he did. Uh, and it says the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. The first words out of his mouth in that. 
if you are the son of God. Again, what did God just tell him not that long ago? You are the son of God with whom I am well pleased. And, and immediately Satan comes in and tries to get him to, Jesus himself, not to believe that. And he throws that term in there and he throws that in there every time when we see in these three temptations that where Satan is speaking, he throws that if. From the very beginning, the first time that Satan tempted anybody, when he tempted Eve, he said, did God really say that you couldn't eat from this tree? And so he like, he twists things constantly. He's constantly twisting things and trying to get us to doubt the truth. The biggest weapon, the most used weapon of Satan against you, against me, against any person is to get you to doubt the truth from God himself. He even does this to the Son of God. The very first words he says that we read are, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. So what is he tempting him with? A couple of things. He's tempting him with immediate gratification and providing for himself. Right? He's hungry. He hasn't eaten. Uh, maybe he really did throw a rock and then it looked like a piece of bread to Jesus. I don't know. But he's tempting him, hey, provide for yourself or turn this into bread so you can eat it. Because you can do that if you're the son of God. And he's kind of like taunting him, right? So if you are, prove it and just feed yourself. And he's trying to get him to provide for himself and, and go his own direction instead of following what God has led him to do. And so what is Jesus' response? He comes back with, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So he comes back and he combats that lie with truth, with scripture, which you will see him do over and over again. That as, to fight that lie from Satan, he speaks truth. Yeah, he's hungry, but he also knows that we don't survive by bread alone. God will sustain him is what he's saying. I don't just need food right now. God will sustain me. There are things that are better than that. And then the devil goes on. Um, there's a couple. It doesn't really matter which order this happens, right? If you read it in Luke, then the next thing uh, that, that happens is he takes them up to this high uh, spot. And he says, took them up and showed them all the kings of the world in a moment's time. And he said to him, to you I will give this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me. And I give it to whom I will. So if you, verse 7, then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So in that video, they showed that one last. Um, and again, what I liked what they did in that video is as he's saying that, as Satan's tempting him with that, they show Jesus like with a crown, and then they flash back and forth between him like being served by people uh, and being crowned and being worshipped by people, and then it flashes to what actually happens uh, of him being getting a crown of thorns and then him getting crucified. Because what Satan's really tempting him, him with, because we've talked about this in here before, Satan is the god of this world. God has given Satan some, a certain amount of time that Satan gets to reign and rule in this world here and now. He's not just like down in hell by himself. He gets to rule this world, that's why it's so corrupt and it has so many values that are against God is because Satan is ruling this world. And as a part of that, he's saying it's mine to give so I can give it to you 
And what he's tempting Jesus with is he's basically saying, you don't have to go to the cross and die to save the world and get the world. And, and you, you, I'll give you the world if you just worship me. And he's offering Jesus an easy way out. And saying, you don't have to go this hard way. You don't have to be crucified. You don't have to be killed. Just let me give it to you. All you got to do is worship me. And Jesus fires back with scripture and says, you shall worship the Lord your God and, and him only shall you serve. And so he tries one more thing and he took him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if, again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from, from here for it is written. So this is what Satan does in this one. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. So he quotes scripture to Jesus. He quotes truth, but he twists it in a way to use it and manipulate it to try to trick Jesus into following him and listening to him. Scripture calls Satan the father of lies, that he is a liar, uh, that that is who he is. And so he is really good at that. Someone who is good at lying, it's hard to tell that they're lying, right? If it's easy to tell that they're lying, it's easy to uh, tell that they aren't telling the truth, then they're not a good liar. It says Satan is the father of lies. He is good at deceiving people. And he will even use truth in your life and twist it just a little bit to make you think that it's true and the way to go to try to trick you. This is the way he tries to do with Jesus. He even quotes scripture. He says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him with scripture and says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then it says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. So this wasn't the last time that Jesus was going to be tempted by the devil. It says he left at that point. And he's going to wait until an opportune time to come back. So, man, there's so much in this that I don't have time to go through. But there's a few things that I want to point out. One, we learn so much about the enemy that we face, that we battle against. Again, lying is the number one thing that he tries to do in your life. He tries to get you to believe lies over the truth. If you don't learn anything else in refuge in your time here, learn that. That's what I want my kids to learn. That's what we started this new game, right? Two, uh, two truths and a lie. And so at the dinner table, we tell them, hey, will you, what, what's a lie that you've been believing this week? And they tell us a lie that they've been believing. Uh, one of the last ones, Owen said he felt like he was not a good brother and was a bad example because he kept getting in trouble. And so he was a bad example for his sisters and his, and his siblings, and that made him feel really bad, like he was a bad brother. And then we, at least two people from our family speak truth over that. And immediately his sisters chimed in of like, no, you're a great big brother. You're awesome. You're the best. And they speak truth over that, right? What I want, and that's my wife's like idea of a game, and our kids want to play it. And our hope is that as they grow up, if we do that weekly with them, that this will become a normal practice for them to speak truth over lies. One, that they would be so equipped that they would know that they have to try to figure out 
what the lies are that they are believing. Most people don't even know that and don't even spend time thinking about that. Like, what lies am I believing today? And so we want them to become really good at acknowledging and figuring out, okay, here are the lies that I'm believing, here, and then hear truth over that. That's what, that's what Jesus is doing when he's tempted in this. He hears lies from Satan, and then he speaks truth. He battles that with truth. What is, what is uh, required of you to be able to do that well? You have to know truth. If you don't know truth, then you're, you're going you're gonna to lose at this battle. Because you don't know what to, what to speak against those things. You don't know how to fight. So you have to know truth. I, I think, again, you have to be able to acknowledge that you're even believing lies. And what I hope is that you get to do that here regularly, too. That for you, you can go into your groups and you can say, man, here's the lies that I've been believing this week. And then people in your group will speak truth over you. So if it's hard for you to find that truth, if it's hard for you to grasp the truth that you need to hear, that when you speak the lies that you're believing, the people in your group will speak that truth for you. Again, constantly, Satan is trying to get Jesus to, to believe that he is not the Son of God. He's trying to get him to believe lies. And again, I don't think this is a coincidence that the, the last thing that Jesus heard from the Father that we can see written down was the Father saying, you are my Son, my beloved Son, with, with you I am well pleased. And what is Satan trying to do? Trying to get him to believe that he's not the Son of God? And that God is not happy with him. I would imagine he does the same thing in your lives regularly. That, he would, that Satan tries to get you to believe that you are not a son or a daughter of the king. And that, that, that God is mad at you and is not happy with you in any way, shape, or form. And that will tear you down like crazy. It's hard to practice, but it really is pretty simple. That if you can acknowledge the lies that you're believing in your life and then speak truth over those, you will have so much freedom in your life. So much freedom. Jesus knew who he was. And he knew, he knew the truth of scripture. He knew the truth of who he was. He knew the truth of who God is. With those two things, he could battle against any of those lies that he was facing. The same can be true for you. Uh, if you want it to be. Know scripture. Know the truth of who God is. Uh, again, like, like I talked about last week, all just the names of God. If you're just studying the names of God and the truth of who he is. And know that and you can apply that to your life. And then the truth of who he says you are. All that can be found in this. That we all have access to. Uh. So how, what does this look like in, in life to you? Because you probably don't have like a snake slithering by you and then uh, turning into a Sith Lord and talking to you, most likely. If you do, come talk to me. That's pretty sweet. Uh, actually, it's really scary and maybe there's bigger issues that you have that you need to talk to. But I'm assuming that that's not how temptation works in your life. And I'm assuming it works more like this video we're going to watch. It's like video night. I'm just super excited. Uh, this video about marshmallows is all about the kind of temptation that we face, okay? So watch this and watch these kids 
and how they handle temptation. Uh, Okay, sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one. So then you'll have two. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? okay. All right. Go do something and then I'll come back. It smells yummy. You can have it now or you can wait. Okay? I'll be back. Stay in the chair, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to leave and then I'll come back, okay? So you can either eat it right now or you can wait. Either way, okay? Okay. How'd you do? Did you do good? You did? You wanted to eat it, didn't you? Yeah. So did I tell you I'd give you another one? Okay, now you can have both. You can eat them. <laughs> All right, so that, that probably looks a little more like what temptation in our life looks like, right? There's something, again, this, this lady puts a marshmallow down in front of them and says, like, you can have two if you can just hold out, right? Like, I have better for you is what she's saying. And essentially what she's asking is, do you trust me? Do you trust that I'm telling you the truth? You know, they said, this, so this is like a psychology, classic like psychology test uh, that was first done like in the 1960s. 
they did lots of research, lots of research, and over and over and over. Uh, and what they, after years of doing this, what they figured out is that a child's ability to resist the temptation to eat one marshmallow depends on how much they trust the experimenter will actually deliver on the promise of a sec sec second marshmallow. So what, how much you trust the person that says, yeah, I'm going to give you two if you just wait. Depended, like, if they trust that person, then they're way more likely to wait. But if they don't trust that person, then they're like that little girl. Like, the second that that door clicked, she was like, bam, I'm eating this thing. But I'll eat around it, and then I'll just put it back on there, right? Uh, so, again, Satan constantly is trying to get you to believe God's holding out on you. He just, he just closed that door. He left this marshmallow to tempt you because he's mean. And he's not going to give you the second one. Constantly, that's what's going on in your mind from the world, from Satan himself, from your sinful nature. Is saying, don't trust God, don't trust God, don't trust God. He's not trustworthy. And if you believe that lie, then you'll eat that first marshmallow. And you'll miss out on more that God has to offer you. But if you trust God is who he says he is, you trust that he really does want good for you, you trust that he really does have more for you, then you'll hold out. Even if it's hard, like it wasn't easy for that kid. I, for some reason, Jacob, I just feel like that kid was you. Like the blind kid that held out. Um, I just, he just looked, I think that was Jacob as a little kid, maybe, I don't know. Um, but he was like, even, he was like, maybe I'll fake eat it. Uh, and then he put it down like, no, you know? Like it was a battle for him the whole time. It's not like it was easy, but he made it through and trusted enough that he would get a second one. And he was rewarded for that. Satan is going to constantly be lying to you and trying to get you to believe that God is not trustworthy, that he's holding out on you, and that you can't trust him. How we deal with temptation, how you deal with temptation and again, we know we're not talking about marshmallows, right? We're talking about all sorts of things that Satan will tempt you with. Maybe food is one of them. And there's lots of ways to abuse food. Maybe sex and relationships and those kind of things is the thing that he tempts you with. Maybe it's school and grades and cheating and all that sort of stuff. It can be all sorts of temptation, things that he wants you to not trust God and to pull away from him, right? How you deal with temptation all comes down to this. Do you believe you can really trust God? For all of us, that's what it comes down to. If I believe that he's trustworthy, that he's true, that he is who he says he is, then I'm going to do well when temptation comes my way. What you see in the life of Jesus, what he's trying to get us to see in this temptation is that he has gone through it before. In Hebrews, what, Hebrews 4, 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He's a God that knows what we're going through. He knows what that temptation feels like. And he was able to say no every time because he knew who his father was and he knew who he was. 
So what it comes down to is that question, do you trust him? And if you do, you're going to make it through those temptations, uh, and you're going to get better because of that. You're going to get more rewarded because of that. I want to pray, and then we're going to worship a little bit more together. Father, we just thank you for loving us. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you have... You're a God who's not distant from us, who doesn't understand us. You're a God who understands every temptation that comes our way. That you know what it's like to be tempted. You know what it's like when it's difficult, when you just want to take the easy way out. When you want to take the shortcut, when you want to take what's right in front of you. You were tempted with all those things. And yet you stayed pure, you stayed true. Because you knew who God was. You knew that he loved you. You knew that he had better for you. And so I pray that for all of us, that even when we have to take the harder road, the longer road, that we would trust that you're good and that you have better for us, that we would be patient and fight the temptation to provide things for ourselves when we know we should be waiting on you. The only way we do that well is by knowing you better. And so I pray that we would know you better so that we know that you're trustworthy and that you're good and that you love us and that you have the best for us. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.